Yeah. I should start doing that again, though. Because I used to watch JR Eclipse all night. What about YB Eclipse? YB Eclipse? No. Yo, we should start doing that. (laughs) You caught me there for a second. I'm like, wait. Guess what, Andre? What? We're live. We're live. What's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy (laughs) here, and welcome back to... The Your Boy Elroy <laughs> MMA Podcast. I am your host, Josh Prep Egan, and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. Andre, what's going on? What's going on, everybody? This bastard got me again. <laughs> <laughs> so good to talk to you today um, on this beautiful Wednesday. Oh, yes. Let's get into the news. Uh, there's sneaky, huge week yeah, of MMA. Very huge. Um, but when it comes to the UFC... If you thought last week was uneventful, then I can't wait till you hear about this week. Oh, yes. (laughs) All right. So my first piece, I'm sorry if I sniffle. I'm not going to mute the mic. Like, I have a little bit of allergies. So my apologies right off the top. Yeah. But in an interview with Barstool Sports, Dana White confirms that he's working on Stipe versus DC3. Is this the trilogy that we didn't want but are still getting? That's what I'm feeling. This is the trilogy that we didn't want until DC lost. I think I I want the trilogy. I think this is a bigger deal right now than him versus John Jones, especially the fact that he lost to John Jones twice. I think that's over with John Jones. And, you know, the crazy thing is I really think that he knows it too. He can't compete with John Jones at his age right now. And even if it was at heavyweight, like, you got knocked out your last fight by John Jones. I just need to pull it up on Twitter. Andre, I'm so sorry to cut you off, but okay. the dryer was on. Yes, our studio is in the basement. Hopefully that two minutes of, like, doesn't turn you off. But we're back with better sound. Andre? We're back. Look, man. Love DC, love what he's done for the sport, but uh, after this one, it's 100% time to hang it up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you had a chance to see his interview this weekend, or this week, but he did state that after this fight, this will be 100% his last fight. It has to be Stipe, no matter what, nobody else matters, this is it for him. After this fight, win, lose, or draw, he's done. I agree. I mean, look, what else does he have to do? He's won titles in the light heavyweight division and in the heavyweight division. He's defended in both divisions. He was the only, right now, he's the only UFC double champion that has defended both belts simultaneously. So there's nothing else for him to do. If you think about it, let's be real. He defended the light heavyweight belt. Defended the heavyweight belt once. That's already greatness right there. That solidifies him as number one pound for pound. They took him off number one pound for pound, and that's okay. You know, he was fighting Stipe. He relinquished the light heavyweight belt. But he pretty much surpassed John Jones. To be honest, in a perfect world, even if John Jones remains active, he's not going to do what Daniel did at all. I'm sorry. There's no way. And the reason why is because... I know for a fact that the chink in John Jones's armor is when he's not in shape. He's not the same fighter when he's not in shape. We saw it when he faced Oban St. Prue for the interim light heavyweight belt. He was slow. He wasn't as strong. 
And um, he just wasn't able to dominate Ovince and prove the way he was supposed to. So if he fights at heavyweight, same concept. He's going to get trashed by Stipe or Ngannou. Even if Kane decides to come back, he'll get destroyed too. So, look, DC, he's good to go as far as retirement. I put him in the UFC Hall of Fame immediately. Yeah, he's one he of the greatest it. to ever do it. Yep, he he definitely deserves it. And DC has nothing to prove even after this loss. Yeah, no. He, he has a career ahead of him as an analyst, as a commentator. Like, anything that he can do on the mic, DC is fired. The detail series oh, yeah. is fantastic. Nobody he's doing Stylebender do next week. <sighs> You know I'm tuning into that. Yeah, you should have tuned into all of them. No, I they did. all are fantastic. Yeah. No, when he, when he did Connor and he did Amanda Nunes, I was I was sold. Mm-hmm. You know, and here's the thing: if I could pick any other fighter to do it, the only other one I would pick is Dominic Cruz. But that's because they're at that level now, and this is the beauty of this sport: you have intelligent guys like Daniel Cormier and Dominic Cruz and Paul Felder who are doing the crossover. And we're kind of seeing the same effect like when Shaq and Charles Barkley and guys like Chris Webber changed out from playing basketball to being color commentators and being um, like show hosts. They're intelligent. Reggie Miller, color commentator. I don't see why that's bad in MMA. Just like I really don't see why they shouldn't be doing that in lower platforms too. Look at CM Punk doing a great job. And I love what they're doing with this sport now with these guys. So... DC's fine. The dude's already a millionaire. He's making mad money, even if he's not. He doesn't need to fight. And and that's what I love. I love that he took that road where he said to himself, I'm 30-something years old. I'm about to hit 40. I can't do this forever. Guys are getting stronger. They're getting faster. He said it himself, I'm not fighting Nganu. There's no point. He'll get steamrolled. Not because he's not good, but can you imagine the pressure that it will put on him to have to fight a guy Who's two hundred and sixty-five pounds, six foot five, a complete monster, punching power in both hands. I mean, that's that's a lot to deal with. And Stipe, Stipe is just the best right now. So that's pretty much it for DC, man. Yeah, let's uh, transition to something that we don't talk about very much. And this is, I just want to bring up to you three fight or three matches going on. In Gordon Ryan's schedule oh, for yeah. the rest of this year. Yeah. Husamal Parharis, Hadolfo Vieira, and Gabriel Gonzaga. Yep. Just three names. And he announced one today. I'm not going to lie. I do not remember. But, like, everybody's going crazy over. Yeah. This dude just had major knee surgery. Yeah. And listen to the killers that he's going against in the next few months. Yeah, look, man. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't like Gordon Ryan at first. His pompous attitude and this bravado that he had. I don't like guys like that in general. I think you should be a respectful martial artist and do what you have to do when you're in there. But you know what? I have to get behind this guy because he states facts. Yes, he's cocky, but he believes in himself. But there's a reason why. He put a post out on Instagram not too long ago where he explained why he was number one. Everybody was like, why is he number one? He's not a legend like these guys or that guy's. And he was like, look at my record compared to everybody else's. I have one of the highest submission rates. Not points rates, submission rates. I'm one of the best. I've only been beaten by the best. And I've only been submitted once in my entire career as a no-gi grappler. He was like, look, 
you can be mad at me or, or not, but I am the king. And I am number one for a reason. It's not because I say I am. It's because of the stats that prove that I am. And I have to get behind that. You know, and, and the thing is, like, he's never shied away from fighting the best. He went into the EBI tournament knowing that Craig Jones was there. Pretty much what most people thought was his kryptonite. Just as strong, just as fast, just as crafty with the leg locks and with the back takes. And he beat him. So, you know, at the end of the day, this guy is going to have no problem with Rusamar. Because Rusamar will get gassed eventually. Those muscles will work against him. Gabriel, Gabriel's old. Not enough said. The only guy he's going to have real trouble with is Rodolfo Vieira. Now, I know he's not going to get leg locked by Rusamar. Because not even Gary Tonin got leg locked by Rusamar. And he had at least 30 or 40 pounds on him. So, Gordon Ryan right now is what, five foot eleven. Excuse me, 230 pounds of solid muscle? That dude's a killer. There's nobody who can beat him. Nobody. Terrifying. He's He is on all the drugs. <laughs> I'll tell you, right? Yeah, it, it really looks like... He explained his training regimen. I'm like, nah, you got to be taking PDs, man. There's no way. But here's my thing. like, To the jujitsu community that hears this, if there's anybody that you should emulate as far as your game, it should be Gordon. Because Gordon is right now the most well-rounded jiu-jitsu player. The best part about him is that he doesn't have to focus on one thing. He can do anything. If he has to take your back, he has an a, a vicious arsenal of how to do that. Leg locks, forget about it. But I've seen this man just simply pass guard and get to an arm bar. I've seen him lock in arm triangle chokes. I've seen him just catch somebody in a triangle off the back. Like... The reason why he's so good is because all he wants to do is jujitsu. And on top of that, he knew, all right, I'm 185 now. Like when he was younger, I'm 185. I'm not that strong. I can't do the absolutes against these guys in no gi because they're way bigger than me. So what did he do? He put on like 40 pounds of muscle. So now it's like the dude's in it to be the best. Now when he makes his MMA debut, forget about it. This guy's going to be killing people at 205. You think he's going to fight MMA? Yeah. He said it himself that eventually he will, but he's taking his time. And I don't yeah. blame him. He's so young. I mean, look how Gary Tonin transitioned. Yeah, beautiful. And not only did he transition the right way, like as far as his career goes, like, you know, like who he's fighting, but he transitioned like the right way financially. Gary Tonin's going to be a superstar. Four or five more fights, he'll be a champion guaranteed in his weight class gordon can do the same and if gordon wants to fight in the ufc you think they're gonna say no after three or four fights nope yeah Why? but he's definitely gonna um lose a few pounds yeah after hitting that uh, usada <laughs> oh yeah because here's the thing Test like pool. he'll be 225 right but the mass that he has now he's gonna be walking around at least two two fifteen and if he like look, if he cuts down to one eighty five, it'll be even worse for everybody. But I think if he sits at two oh five comfortably, size won't matter because he'll know how to get on the inside. He'll know it because he does it in jujitsu. Like when he did it to a cyborg, it didn't take much to get that leg lock. He just waited. He got the leg. He locked in the tri the um you know the what is called the uh, juju katami which is basically a lockdown of the legs, and he just waited. He'll do the same thing in MMA. Because if you're in an in, in advantageous position, technically the ref can't stop you. 
And when it comes to leg locks, it's the same thing as full mount or a back take. So that's how I know he's going to defeat guys easily. Because, like, the leg lock game is really, obviously, it's it's very powerful now in jiu-jitsu. But in MMA, it's still kind of like a, it's almost taboo. There's a lot of guys who don't do it anymore. But uh, he's going to be dominant. So I'm excited to see when that happens. Yeah, so let's transition back to MMA. And let's talk about the Masvidal Diaz press conference last week. Um, first question, did you see it? Unfortunately, I did not. <laughs> okay. Um, my statement on it is uh, you didn't miss too much. Okay. Uh, I do enjoy both of them talking. Uh, Jorge Masvidal's... I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Jorge Masvidal's interview this week that was posted with uh, Ariel Hawani was fantastic, talking about his past. And then now when you look at that, um, you look at the press conference, Jorge Masvidal came across as the biggest star in MMA. Yeah. Comes out with the white suit, red tie, white shoes, no socks. He just looked like such a star. Yeah. What a transition. Yeah, I mean, think about it. This guy, a couple years back, was fighting an Elite XC affliction. Where where did he fight? Japan, Strike Force. Bellator. Bellator. I remember when he fought Toby Amata and got caught in that reverse triangle. Crazy. Really the only time he's ever been put to sleep, and it wasn't by bunches. But this man has been everywhere in the sport. He took a break, and that that seemed to be the key to his success. But, you know, I see him as a star because of how he handles himself. He's got that old school, almost like mafia mentality, where he's just like, listen, this is what I do for a living, and I'm not going to let anybody disrespect me because I'm a grown man, and I do this for money. I don't do this to put on a show. Um and put on a front, and that's who he is. And guess what? People relate to that. That's why he's a superstar. That's why people have always got behind the Diaz brothers. What happened? Everybody was doubting Nick once he tested positive for weed. He was like, dude, it's weed. Not a big deal. He was like, all these mother efforts are on steroids. Everybody. He was like, everybody I fought, all the champions, everybody's on steroids. And he was right. As soon as you saw the hit, what happened? Boom, all these dudes started getting popped. Bands coming everywhere. Suspensions. These guys are real, and people can get behind that. It's like, listen, I'm here to fight. I don't care for belts. I don't care for anything else, for recognition. Bring me my money, and bring me the guy to fight, and I'm going to do it. And that's why these guys are superstars. But, you know, like you have, st- you still have today a lot of these guys who front. Oh, yeah, I'm the best in the world. I make the most money. I'm going to hire a porn star so I can look cool to sit on, you know, on my shoulder. Like, nah, people don't care about that. People will get a good laugh out of that. But what people really want are people who want to fight. And that's all that matters. The The sport itself is just competition. And that's what they enjoy, competition. That's what I enjoy. I'll tune in for a Nate Diaz fight if it was on Bellator before I'll tune in to a boring-ass Colby Covington versus Kamar Usman title fight on, on the UFC pay-per-view. Guaranteed. Because I would want to watch Nate Diaz put it all out on the line for 
for at least three to five rounds than I would watching two guys trying to take each other down on the cage. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. So I don't think I've asked you this question, but do you think the idea of the BMF title, like being an actual physical title, not anything that's on the books, but just like the UFC using it as marketing for the fight, like having a, a title belt, do you see an issue with that? No, because the reason why it's marketable is because the UFC knows that this whole interim title guy gets injured for three months, he gets stripped. They know that this bullshit is really what pisses fans off. So why wouldn't they use that to market, you know, to make a fight huge? The fight was already going to be huge, but... You know what I mean? The East Coast gangster versus the West Coast gangster for the BMF title. I mean, come on, you can't you can't beat that as far as like promotion. So I don't see anything wrong with it. The stuff I do see is wrong is like Connor versus Khabib bus incident. That I don't go for. Yes, it was part of the story, but that's just not necessary. So overall, I like it. I think they're going in the right direction with it. The, it it definitely overshadows like the welterweight strap though. It does. Uh, well, you know, to be honest with you, if they didn't want that to happen, two forty four would have been Usman versus Colby, or Usman versus Masvidal, if they didn't really want that to happen, or the bait would the belt would have been vacated and it would have been Masvidal versus Edwards. And the UFC saw that this was a much more lucrative. <laughs> event because they know that people are gonna show up like if i have the money for it and i can get decent seats i'm gonna show up too because i want to see that fight live yeah so you know i like the play that they did now obviously if they put out the money for a freaking actual realistic belt that would be crazy a little far that's word on the street hey if they from the beginning yeah dana said that that night there will be a BMF a strap. From the beginning, he said it. That would be crazy. But they have, if they're going to do that, they have to bring back the most violent belt. They have to. And it has to be Gaethje versus Ferguson. Like, if Ferguson beats Khabib, it has to be for the lightweight belt and for the most violent belt. It, that would be amazing. It's. I mean, we didn't even touch on that when Gaethje fought last, but Gaethje's right. They do Gaethje versus Ferguson, they can put a million people in a stadium. Oh, yeah. Why wouldn't they? Because at the end of the day, you're looking at two guys who are literally going to throw it out there and not give a shit what happens. Like, One of them breaks their leg, they're going to keep fighting. Remember how excited we were for um, Ferguson versus Cerrone? Hell yeah. This is like that times like a thousand. Yeah, because yeah, one, neither guy's going to take a step back. It's not possible. So you're going to see two guys meeting in the middle and just throwing. Ferguson's going to be throwing front kicks and upward elbows and spinning elbows, and Gaethje's just going to be throwing freaking, what is it? I think it's called the thunder kick, Yeah, the tornado kick. He, he throws that disgusting leg kick that just, like, kicks <sighs> people's legs out from under them. Literally, or if it doesn't kick it out from under them, it severely damages their femur. Yep. But that's, it may look awkward, but the technique is perfect. Why? Because it's not this. It's not just turning into the shin bone it's going down you can look at his leg when he throws it you can see his hips go down in the downward projection and his leg whips at the end causing it to 
do like almost like a, a slice on the femur bone. And when you do it like that, it's not direct force. It's actually penetrating force that's going straight into the femur bone. Because if you look at your thigh meat, you notice that as it starts to get closer to the knee, there's less fat there. There's less muscle tissue. So he's looking to get right in there and boom, destroy your leg. And then Ferguson, go ahead and play with Ferguson. Try to outbox him. Try to outkickbox him. Eventually, one of those elbows is slicing you open. And you ain't going to be throwing punches the same when you got blood all in your eyes and in your mouth. Yeah, so I know that we started with the welterweight division. We kind of transitioned to lightweight. Yeah. While we're here, before we get into some you know, results and then stuff going on at the end of the week, let's talk about Kevin Lee again. Yeah. Because Faraz Zahabi put out a statement that, you know, he really wants Kevin Lee to go back to 155. Me too. Do you really? Yeah. Do you think that you you 100% think that he can still hang with these guys at 155? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think that um he has really good kickboxing now. He's improved. The only thing that I want to see from him is smart game plans. Um, he's not an instinctual fighter. That's obvious. He's not just going to go in there like Gaethje or Cerrone and just throw and be successful. No, he's a very um, structured fighter. We all know what he can do. When he's working on his game, he goes in, takes you down on the cage. He Or, he, you know, sometimes he can take you down like out in the open. He gets, you know, full guard, starts to throw punches. When you open up, he passes the half. Eventually, he'll shoot over to full mount because he doesn't like going aside. And once he gets there, he starts working you until your back's there. Or he'll take your back pre like before that. Gets the rear naked choke. That's it. That's who Kevin Lee is. But he's got to mix it up. And his game plan will be different if he truly takes Faraz Sahabi's like, counsel the right way. Because I've seen guys who train with Faraz all the time. And they still get their ass whooped. And it's really just a mental thing because Faraz is a genius. So I think at 155, he's best. And if he needs to change his diet because he's a big guy and get down there, then go for it, you know. But at 170, he's not as big, and it's obvious. Like, yeah, he was a little bigger than Dos Anjos, but Dos Anjos was in shape. And he was ready for 170 because he had fought there so much. So... Kevin Lee taking another fight is just not going to be good. You know, to be honest with you, imagine if Pettis didn't really knock Wonder Boy out. What do you think would have happened? The same thing when he fought Diaz. He would have gassed out. He would have got tired. He would have got beat up. So, yeah, I think Lee's better at 155. He's much stronger and he's a lot bigger than these guys. Yeah, so let's transition there are no fight announcements this weekend at least nothing that really matters yeah, yeah uh so let's talk about cage fury cage fury happened last week and we had some local boys defend and actually win titles so let's talk about the first one undefeated champion kyle Dawkins comes back in the first round and gets a signature darce choke in the main event bingo Continues to prove his worth, continues to prove that he is a problem and is worthy of being on that big stage. Yeah, he did it. Excellent fashion. The guy's a stud. He's strong. He's very well-rounded. And he's just going to be a dominant champion at CFFC. You know, um, 
at the same time, too, I was upset about the, you know, result in Dana White's t contender series, but this is also giving him an opportunity to improve. So when he finally gets to the big show, whether it be the UFC or anywhere, he's going to shine even more. So and he's so and he's still young. So I'm really impressed with him. And damn, that Darsh choke is good, man. I haven't seen <laughs> I haven't seen a Darsh choke like that since Tony. Like he's got a good Darsh choke. But, you know, Kyle Dawkins is right right up there. So, you know, hats off to him and a great performance. Yeah, and then let's move on to Jeremiah Wells. My boy. Filling in the shoes of Sean Brady, taking that welterweight title for CFFC. Andre, how did you grade his performance? Excellent. I mean, he showed another side of him. A lot of people didn't think he had a ground game, but this man's got a ground game, and he proved that. That choke was excellent. Great adjustment that he made in the middle of that choke. You know, once the guy started defending, he just changed it and, you know, finished it. You know, Jeremiah is not just a power puncher. This guy's also a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and a very solid wrestler. I would know because I wrestled with him on the mats Sunday nights at 8.30 at Henzo Gracie. So this man is not to be played with. He's a big welterweight, and this guy has one-punch knockout power in both hands. So watch out, 170 you know, fighters, because this dude is coming fast. Yeah, Sean Santella also defended his title at flyweight. I believe there was another guy, another local yeah, Philly guy who ended up winning a next-gen title. Yeah, there was two. There was, um, forgive me. If Miles you Lee. Yeah, Miles Lee. Um, He also trains at Henzo's. Um, all three of those guys are from Henzo's slash EEFC. So it was Miles Lee. It was my boy Will Tucker. And it was also Isa, forgive me if I mess your name up, Delapich. But all three of those guys won the next-gen titles. And these guys are, listen, next-gen, does that's an understatement. These dudes are future champions. I mean, listen, Will Tucker is massive. He's a huge guy for his weight class. Isa is super strong, and he's got one-punch knockout power. And then, you know, you've seen Miles Lee. The dude's massive. So, yeah, these guys are gonna take you know. Miles Lee looks like Paul Daly. Yeah, <laughs> but just way stronger. And and these guys are gonna take the you know the MMA world by storm. People need to watch out because EEFC's fighters are dangerous. Like no joke when I tell you these guys have that Philly style striking where their boxing is just flawless, and then the kicks are added, and then these dudes work hard on the ground, man. So, you know they need to watch out. Because these guys are literally going to take over CAFFC. Yeah, so that Friday, Pat Zabatini ended up putting out a statement. I'm going to read it to you real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, to all my fans and sponsors, due to two opponents backing out fight week and my third opponent coming in overweight, according to the PA Commission guidelines, my fight has been canceled. Um, if you like a refund, etc. But he will have his next fight in November. So if any of you guys bought tickets to see him and uh, ended up not going, you can use that ticket in November to see him defend his title. Excellent. Yeah, so I'm hoping that he, he uh, didn't gas out too much in training camp and he can come back strong next month. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be fine. The guy's always in shape and always looking really good in his fights but yeah very unfortunate when stuff like that happens i mean you train so long you know to prepare for a, a specific opponent and then 
once the fight gets canceled, you're like, damn, back to square one. But I'm sure he'll be he'll be fine. Yeah, so let's talk about UFC fight night, Mexico City. Um, Andre, honestly, I have zero to say about this card. I don't know how much you have to say. I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm really pissed. We didn't get the fight we wanted. No. But now, I'm not going to lie. I hope Jeremy Stevens knocks this boy's head off because he is, excuse my language, a big pussy. (laughs) I am disgusted with this man's behavior. Now, granted, listen, you know me. You know I'm not a fan of Jeremy Stevens. But Yair is a piece of garbage. The way he treated Michael Bisbing, if I was Michael, I would have knocked his ass out. Because that was super disrespectful, uncalled for, and extremely unnecessary. To treat a Hall of Famer and former UFC middleweight champion like that, a man who was being nice to you, if you want to get down to the bare bones of it, it's not Jeremy's fault that you poked him in the eye. And what's worse, you didn't even have a reason to swipe at his face. His hands were literally here. I'm sorry, but he's a piece of garbage. And you know what? When Jeremy does knock him out, I will come back on this podcast and give Jeremy praise, and I will become a fan of his. And if he loses, I'll still be a fan, but I'll be really (laughs) angry about it, and you guys will know about it when I come back here. Well, good news, Andre. The fight has been rebooked. October 18th in Boston. It is now the co-main event Yeah, under Chris Weidman versus Dominic Reyes. Excellent. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't care to see this fight. But um, I just, I just want to see Jeremy put him to bed. Literally, I want to see him get knocked out cold. So did it bother you the scene after the fight? Like the beers and... No. Okay, good. I understand. I mean, listen. Look. I'm going to take this from both perspectives. Let's Let's be serious for a second. Do you think with Jeremy's track record... Okay, Landstorm. Let's be serious for a second. Yeah. Do you think this man wanted to quit? You think he wanted to say no? He never did. But he couldn't open his eye. And here's the thing with Yair. I get it. Your family was there. It was Mexico, like really, like in Mexico City, a big city. People were rooting for you, expecting you to perform. But this happens. Why would you put yourself out there and treat people like shit and act like an asshole when you know that this was your fault? Because at the end of the day, Jeremy Stevens didn't poke you in the eye. You poked him in the eye. And what's worse is that you had no real reason to do it it was a silly swipe at his face so it's like whatever man like honestly i would have fined him for talking to michael bisming like that because at the end of the day that is a ufc employee a color commentator right then and there if i was dana i would have called him up and said you're being fined for 50 percent of your purse for what you did to michael and you know the way you acted and then i would also find him for talking shit to jeremy after the fight because that's totally unprofessional. So, it is what it is. But that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> so, let's talk about this week. 
huge week for MMA, especially us yeah. as Philly Fight fans. Hell we yeah. got a big card coming up. One of our favorite people in the world are on this card. But first, let's talk about Bellator's quote-unquote huge weekend. Yeah. So for anybody not aware, Bellator kind of is throwing three events this weekend. Um, from my understanding, okay, after looking over the cards and seeing placement of certain things, the only reason that it's three cards and not just two, because it's two in Dublin and then one in L.A. Yeah. Okay? The only reason that they're doing two in Dublin, a smaller one and then the bigger one, is because the, they have the need. They're really trying to push this guy, James Gallagher. So putting him on a card by himself as a main event to them is a big deal in pushing this guy. Do you see it that way? Look, I like James Gallagher, but I don't think he's as big of a star as they think he is. I think that he's solid, but um, yeah, he's not going to be able to do well. At the, I mean, what is he, 135, 145? Yeah. Yeah. Those guys up there, like, especially in the 145 tournament, he can't bang with Oh, yeah, we're going to cover that right now. Yeah. But uh, he's facing Roman Salazar. I believe that's his uh, third opponent. Um, He's he's also had bad luck with booking. Nobody, nobody wants to fight this kid. I don't get why. Just yeah. fight him. Yeah. But, um, so, let's just go over the notable fights slash fighters of the weekend. Uh, like we said, James Gallagher. Uh, Michael Venom Page is fighting on this card. <laughs> <laughs> Benson Henderson versus Miles Jury. Love that fight. Yeah. Um, Mashida versus Musasi. Nice. Darian Caldwell versus Henry Corrales. Nice. AJ McKee versus Georgie Kankanian. Yeah. And uh, Antonio McKee, who is AJ's McKee's dad. Yeah. Is on the card. Uh... Your boy, uh, AJ Agazarm. Yep. And then my main event of the whole weekend, Patricio Pitbull versus Juan Archuleta for the 145-pound title. That's big, man. Big fight. That's a huge fight. Who do you got? Dude, I'm so pumped for this fight. I am, too. This is like one of those sleepers. But who you got? Tell me. Patricio looks so good okay. in his last fight. I don't blame you for that one. Two... In the expense of one of my favorite fighters, especially maybe my favorite non-UFC fighter mm -hmm. in Michael Chandler, he looked fantastic. Whether you agree with the stoppage or not, I believe we, we spent plenty of time on that. Mm -hmm. You know, if they sh just don't get hit if you don't want the fight to get stopped. Yeah, simple as that. Um, But Juan Archuleta is a disaster this dude is an animal and he's a human highlight reel he is man. for that i really want to see the title change but hey if this guy's gonna roll through the tournament as the champ because there are some names we went through this tournament many of times especially when they first announced it and then we had the fights a few weeks ago i believe two weeks ago that we spoke about look at the people this weekend, Darian Caldwell, Henry Corrales, AJ McKee, these are all killers, you know, up-and-comers, um, veterans. 
These are guys who are coming in to take your head off, except Darian Caldwell. He kind of wants to sleep on you. <laughs> but listen, this is my main event for the week. Yeah. UFC, Bellator. This is the biggest fight of the weekend. And let me tell you who the sleeper is in this big tournament. Henry Corrales. I feel, and I'm just going to say this. I have a serious, serious feeling that the finals of this tournament for a million dollars and the belt is going to be Juan Archuleta versus Henry Corrales. For some reason, I feel like Henry's going to blow right through Darian. And if he has to face AJ McKee, I feel like he's going to smoke him too. I like AJ. He's really good, man. Good hands, good wrestling. But I don't know, man. I really feel like he's going to get I really feel like he's going to go right through all these guys. I don't know what it is. It's just when he knocked out Aaron Pico, it was his attitude after. He was like, "Dude, I'm not playing around. I'm not just here to score points. I'm going to put your ass out if I can." And he has that same like Justin Gaethje style mentality. Like, "I will die in here if I have to. I don't care." And I feel like that that's the level that you need to get up there. And I don't feel like AJ and Darian are there. I think that they kind of had their careers kind of already set for them. Mm-hmm. And now they're about to, and now at least Darian, he's about to face a guy who's saying accolades, big fights, don't give a crap. I'm going to go in there and knock your ass out. So I hope that that's the final. Yeah, I mean, we still don't know what the uh, bracket is. Yeah. We will find out, I believe, after this card because this is the final, like, first round matchups. Yeah. Um but I mean we have people like Adam Borich that we talk about so much. You know, we've already had Huge some upsets, names. you know, um Daniel Strauss already lost. Yeah. We've had some other, you know, Taiwan Claxton lost. Yeah. There are some names that you know are already out, but then you got like Adam Borich. This weekend huge fights. This is probably a bigger weekend than the last First yeah. round. No, and, and that's the thing with Borch. Like, Borch is another sleeper, but I feel like as good as he is, I feel like Henry will kind of, like, calm him down after a few rounds and then just, you know, beat him. But all in all, this has been one of the best tournaments in a long time, and, and I really appreciate that Bellator jumped on this because they're doing it the right way. Yeah, at, don't forget, Adam Borch is undefeated. Yeah. He still has yet to lose. Yeah, and he's still killing guys. And here's the crazy thing, man. I didn't really believe in this tournament style. Mm-hmm. But when they're putting the belt on the line in the championship fight, you know how much pressure that puts on a champ? Because he has to fight just as actively as everyone else. I love it. Yeah, because look, think about it this way. How long is this tournament really going to take? Like almost a year. Yeah. Maybe even more. It's, uh, you know, the champ's not going to wait. And he's not going to want to take title fights. Against guys that aren't in the tournament because these guys are fighting to fight him. And I love it because at the end of the day, the final is going to be whoever changes. I mean, whoever gets the belt and then gets to the finals. That's amazing. So this is awesome, man. I just hope that they can get more talent so they can put on other um, tournaments like that as well. Yeah, it's a it's a killer card. Um, as far as the featherweight tournament goes. Yeah. And like I said, Bellator's quote-unquote huge weekend. 
does have some pretty big fights Excuse with pretty big stakes. Yeah. So um, good luck to everybody in that tournament. Um, it is exciting to see Gegard Musasi as well this weekend. Yeah. You know, he did have that loss. Whether you agree with it or not, <laughs> he is not the champ anymore. He's not. So it, w- it was a quick turnaround for him, too, to take that Machida fight. Yeah, I mean, they fought before Machida beat him. So let's see what he does against Machida again. Yeah. So let's get into UFC Fight Night Copenhagen. Um, like I said, if you weren't excited last weekend, um, for us, this is a big weekend. You know, there are some very good sleeper fights on this card. But for people who are just um, casual fans, yeah, there's, there's nothing here. Uh, let's just start with some notable names. OSP is on this card as well as your boy Mahmoud. Moradov. <laughs> so I know I know you're excited to see the best MMA fighter in the world. Oh, God, part so of the excited. money team. I'm so excited. <laughs> Let's go from the bottom. Ian Kudalaba versus the renewed Khalil Roundtree. The Muay Thai master. <laughs> you hear this? Yep, yep. <laughs> Going to hear that all Saturday. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is an early card, too. Yeah. During the day, 2 o'clock main card starts I feel like yeah i felt like it was gonna be super early so um it's okay if if you listen to post wrestling john pollock said pretty much you can start at like 11 a.m and not finish watching fights till 2 2 a.m crazy yeah it's it's a very busy weekend i'm telling you right now i'm not gonna do that but <laughs> i will be watching main events and i will be at a show that we will cover in a second um, Gunnar Nelson versus Gilbert Burns. That's a fun fight. Uh, Gunnar Nelson trying to get back into the top 15 after losing that fight. Um, this is where we get a little shaky. Now, I get it. This dude was an Olympic silver medalist. But co-main event? I'm going to say these names, and you're going to be like, what? Mark Madsen versus Danilo Bilardo. Who's that? You know better than me. I don't know who those are. All right. Main event, <laughs> Jack Hermanson versus Jared Cannonier. That sounds exciting. Okay, let's talk about their last wins. Jack Hermanson coming in in short notice and beating Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Jared Cannonier coming in and beating Anderson Silva. Big. Huge. Big fight. Huge, big fight. I'm excited. Jack Hermanson is my pick, but Jared Cannonier is an animal. It's that one. He's actually an animal, the killer gorilla. Listen, man, this dude was knocking guys out at heavyweight. You better be careful. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, he did take some big shots from um, Jacare, who who has reinvented his game. I mean, I don't know how he'll be at light heavyweight, but his last few fights at middleweight. Clang, you know, stand and bang yeah. with Chris Weidman. Like, come on. And then he, he gave Jack Hermanson a fight, but Jack Hermanson was just better. Yeah, he was smarter. He fought. I mean, he did everything he had to do to win. So I think Jack will bring the same mentality in this Jared Cannonier fight. But it's this is one of those fights where one simple millimeter of a second of a mistake that Jack makes and leaves his chin out there and that's it. Jared is going to kill him because Jared is like literally a 185 in Ganu. 
Like, this dude is literally knocking guys out with one punch. Look at the leg kicks that he did to Anderson. Anderson couldn't even take him. So imagine what he'll do to Jack if Jack doesn't come prepared. And I feel like now, with the resurgence of Jared Cannonier at 185, like, can anybody really beat him right now other than the top three? I don't know. But it's a scary thought. Yeah, man, it's rough. But... Listen, my pick is Jack Hermanson. I think he just looked fantastic in his last fight. Yeah. I think that he's coming in this fight with, you know, a push for a title fight. Yeah. If he wins, hey, hats off to either guy, whoever wins, because there definitely should be next in line after this fight coming up. You know, there's really nobody else, so. You're right, Andre. There is nobody else. So, that is UFC Fight Night Copenhagen. 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can catch that main card. Let's transition to something that's close to home. Friend of the show will be fighting this weekend. Art of War. Let's talk about our boy first. Zedekiah Montanez versus Mike Putnam. Andre, what do you expect from this fight? I expect Zed to have a really tough fight because Mike Putnam is a Bellator veteran. (laughs) I can't believe that they tout this guy as a Bellator veteran. What better way than to promote Zed? Listen, this fight is clearly so Zed can get some clout and so he can get into Bellator. Clout is what he's going to get because I see him putting a whooping on this bull. He is going to, oh my God. That's what he's going to do to him. Oh my, everybody in the arena, oh my God. The only thing that pisses me off about this fight is that I can't go because I have to work. Makes me want to cry. But I know you'll be there. Oh, yeah. 100%. Your boy, Elroy. I'm so hyped for this. Yeah. Whatever. It it is what it is. But take videos, and I'll be super excited to see him put this guy to bed. Yeah, when Zed came on, it was before his last fight. You guys could check it out in the archives. I believe it was like one of the first 10 episodes that he ended up coming on, which was amazing Amazing, of him. Thank you so much. And he will be on after this fight. Yeah, 100%. But, um, you know, he spoke about, you know, getting taken down and overcoming adversity, you know, and getting the finish in his last fight. Well, we're going to see him again, probably have to overcome adversity because, you know, we make the joke about Mike Putnam, you know, not being really a veteran of Bellator, but he does have more fights. Yeah. And, um, but I do believe that Zed, you know, he looks fantastic. Yeah. I mean, look, his striking is, it's not conventional like most fighters that you see coming up. Like, a lot of these guys are Muay Thai heavy, so, you know, they, they really shitty combinations you see, you know, unless they have power, then it's different. But not only does Zed have power, but he has speed, he has excellent technique, great footwork, good head movement, and he's just a super solid fighter. It's not just his boxing that he's good at or his kicks. It's also the fact that he has a really decent ground game. I mean, so at the end of the day, this guy can do whatever he wants. But I really believe that Zed is on his way to the big show. So I don't think this guy is going to be able to stop Zed in his tracks at all. I think he's going to get finished in the first round. 
Yeah, I don't know what it is about Zedekiah Montanez. I don't know if it's just because he came on the show. It's his attitude, but there's for some reason there's nobody in this game I believe in more than this guy. And yeah. I'm really looking forward to this fight this weekend. Yeah. Uh, some other notable names from the area. Um, Martinez MMA Zone, Matt Turntbill. He will be in action against Taylor Price. I am excited to see him this weekend. Yeah. As well as a teammate of... Joe Bodybags Pfeiffer, Andre Petrowski, 185 versus Jesse James. I'm looking forward to see him as well for the first time. Yeah. So that is Art of War. Like I said, I will be in the house repping your boy Elroy. Let's get into something that we haven't done in a while. Okay. Listener questions. Wow. Yeah, I do have a question from our good buddy, Ron Pashery Jr., the Pash. The Pash. He says, based on the first two fights, could DC and Stipe end up with the most legendary trilogy in MMA history? Possibly. This fight could be real close. Maybe. Let's, let's just talk about some yeah. trilogies. I mean, do you. What can you think of, like, right off the bat? I mean, trilogies Chuck versus Tito. I believe Chuck versus Couture. Another trilogy. Damn. Oh, Edgar versus Maynard. You have what else? There's a lot of them. I mean, those names alone. Those like are big names. Those are big names. But with that being said, I do think that this is probably the most famous trilogy in MMA. Yeah. This is. There's a lot of, at stake. I mean, DC could win and be one of the first champions to retire as a champion in the UFC. He could also, Stipe could end up beating him and defending his belt again, making him the most winningest heavyweight ever. So, mm-hmm. Seventh consecutive title fight. Yeah. Crazy. Um, I don't think we spoke about this when we were talking about this fight in the first place, but uh, Stipe's management did confirm that he is – recovering from like an eye injury you know from getting eye poked and he will not be fighting till 2020 and that's okay he needs time because that like that first fight he got poked really bad a couple times so it is what it is but this fight is big and you know i'll be tuning in yeah i mean there's no there's very little things that i won't tune in for this is like must see television for me dc being one of my favorite fighters of this era and this being his last fight is a huge deal yeah and i when he says this is my last fight i believe him yeah i do too cuz there's nothing else for him to do yeah i agree wholeheartedly yeah so thank you ron pash pash i'm sorry i don't call you ron pash thank you so much for the question it's good to hear from you again now our final segment Something that I wanted to bring on this show because it was something very interesting that happened on Twitter. Now, obviously on Twitter, I obviously don't have a lot of followers, but I do get into these interesting arguments with people about MMA. But I got into something that was very interesting. It wasn't very, uh, it wasn't really an argument, but it was something that I thought would have been good enough to bring on the podcast. So one of my fellow followers slash guys that I'm following, John Casey, he put up a video of a woman who got a rear naked choke victory standing, which doesn't happen a lot, and she put this chick to sleep. 
And when I mean sleep, her her arms dropped. She let her go, and this chick's body just flopped to the ground, out cold. And John Casey brought up an interesting point. He said, chokes are very dangerous, and I think they should be banned in MMA. Now, I want to ask you, in light of you know seeing some of the craziest chokes ever, I'll give you a couple examples. GSP versus Bisbee. Um, Jones versus Leota Machida. Uh, what else? Holly Holm versus Misha Tate. Could you see how that could make sense? Or are you like me where I say, no, that doesn't make sense? Not a chance. Um, listen, Joe Rogan always talks about why aren't headbutts legal. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I'm in a fight and I have the chance and it's the only thing I can do, I'm giving you a headbutt. Yeah. Chokes are like one of the most recognizable things in MMA. One of the most, like, vicious submissions, of course. Like, arm bars. Think about that, how dangerous an arm bar is. Like, you could rip my arm off in a span of how how quick. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? God forbid I give my arm up to you when we're rolling. You're going to snap my arm. Even that, if I go any further, damage nerves. You'll never be able to go like this again. Yeah, it's crazy. So the idea of a commission banning chokes is ridiculous. Yeah, and you kind of have to look at it the same way as they did with banning leg locks. You know, um, the way I see it is simple. Dean Lister brought up something very interesting that he said to John Donher, and I think I touched on this um, a couple times in some episodes. But... John Danaher kind of asked him, like, what his thoughts of leg locks were. And they were talking about it. And, you know, Dean said one thing to him. He said, why would you ignore 50% of the body? So if chokes are so effective in MMA because, one, they're very hard to defend because you literally have somebody latched onto your back and going to sink in an arm into your neck and applying incredible force onto both of your jugular arteries why would you ban that it's an effective tool that is used in a fight if i am fighting you and you're faster and stronger than me but i get to your back and i lock in that choke it doesn't matter if you're 100 pounds or 600 pounds i'm putting you to sleep and that shouldn't be banned at all because of the fact that it is an effective martial arts tool, especially in other martial arts like judo, jiu-jitsu, even submission wrestling. Everybody knows that choke. You know, DPC people do it in the street fights all the time. And you can't take away something just because of the implications of it being dangerous. Because right now, you know, if me and you got into a fist fight and you punched me once in the head and I hit my head on one of those stairs and that sharp edge, I'm probably going to die. Is that your fault? No. We were fighting. It was both. It was a consensual situation where we both said, I'm going to beat the shit out of you, and you killed me. That's not your fault. We were fighting. If, Like you said, if I tear your arm off, you're not going to ban arm bars because that doesn't make sense. That's what you're signing up for. But I wanted to get somebody else's opinion to see if I was crazy or not. Now, when I look back at MMA and I think of the stuff that I, I don't like seeing, um... There isn't very much. The one thing that I hate to see is John Jones's oblique kick. Like, uh, yeah. how 
how terrifying looking is that like standing front kick where he like kicks the knee in. Yeah. Terrifying. But I'm not going to say, oh, that should be banned. Yeah. Because look, this is the way I see it too. When it comes to oblique kicks. Yeah, it's really dangerous. You can tear somebody's ACL easily. Look what happened. First fight, Yoel Romero versus Robert Redeker. The first strike that Yoel threw literally tore Robert's ACL. And guess who had the fight with a torn ACL for five rounds and still won? That's crazy. Look at what happened to freaking uh, Tiago Santos. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. But it happens. And And here's the thing. It's one of those things where people just, if you don't like it, you know, like, it is what it is. But I can agree with you at a certain point because it is a dangerous tool. But there's something, there's one thing I really don't like to see in MMA. And that's the fact that you can't throw knees while somebody's, you know, hands are on the ground. Because mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you can defend yourself against a knee if you're on the ground. You can all you have to do is put your hands up the same way you do if an overhand right is coming. I think it's just a ridiculous thing that a guy can just go like this on the floor and then be completely fine. No. <laughs> you know, look, um, there's a champion in uh, one championship. He's the welterweight champ. His name is Sebastian, but I don't know his last name, so I'm not going to butcher it. This man uses knees like that. If he drops somebody, you know what he does? He literally runs at them. And literally drops his entire body going towards them and lets the knee shift all of its weight and hits them right in the head. He's literally knocked people out like that. It's kind of like, you know how you do a slide on a, kind of like, um you know, the, like those water slides in your backyard and you're like, woo. Yeah. He does that, but he lands a knee on the top of their dome. That's an effective tool. And I feel like the UFC should have those kind of, you know, rules in, um, you know, in their fights because that makes the fights even better to watch. Especially when Demetrius Johnson catches you in side control and starts dumping knees on your head. Like, that's what makes MMA exciting to me. But that's it for me <laughs> as yeah, far as topics. Like like I said, there isn't very much that I don't like in MMA that I'm scared to see. Yeah. Uh, the oblique kick, like I said, I kind of got over it after a while because I'm like, like you said, like how could you ignore that? Even Even the elbows, like you said, like the 12 to 6 elbow. Like, they need to change that rule. Yeah, it's just an elbow. Yeah. Like, there are so much more things that are dangerous. Yeah. Like oblique kicks. Yeah. <laughs> but that has been this week's Your Boy Elroy. I am Josh Prep Egina. You can find me personally on all forms of social media at Elroy Prepson, one word. You can find the show on the brand new Instagram. Your boy Elroy on Instagram. That is one word. Um, if you want to hear about the show, everything will be there. If you have questions, everything will be there. Uh, we will be making a Twitter to have discussions on there as well. But for now, Instagram is my main focus, our main focus as a show. Andre, can you tell them about yourself? Yeah, guys, you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter under the name Flow State Dre, and you can find me on Facebook as my regular name, Andre Rodriguez. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Yeah, five-star ratings and reviews. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy all the fights this weekend, and we'll catch you next week.